This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, you could beep it at least. <laughs> It'd be the second swear in the history of the podcast. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast, brought to you by the best deck building site on the web for the commander format, EDH Rec. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined today by my lovely co-hosts. First up, the speedster whose article series takes you from 60 to 100. It's Matt Morgan. I think the lesson Spider-Man was never given by his Uncle Ben is that with great reflexes comes great responsibility. You're correct. He was never given that lesson. <laughs> that would have been a very different movie, though, if he had been given that lesson. Uh, next, true. the man whose articles remind you to look in the margins, Dana Roach. Um, Joey, I've been actually calling where I record this show my magic secret lair for a long time. So <laughs> I'm fairly certain this product is just stuff from my basement. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> and I'm Joey Schultz, author of the Commander Showdown series. All these articles and more can be found at edhrec.com, along with some awesome featured community content, such as other Commander podcasts and gameplay videos. EDHREC itself is a fantastic deck-building resource that compiles data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new Commander decks. And here on the EDHREC cast, we're going to give all that data a little more context. Ladies, gents, and beyond, please welcome to our show the amazing Tasa Karlov. Wait, uh, I mean, please welcome her royal deadliness, Atraxa. No, no, I'm wrong again, sorry. Uh, Brea, Ethereum Shaper. Nah, dang, sorry. Uh, Oh, that's right. The cosplayer extraordinaire Olivia Gobert-Hicks. Hi. Actually, I think uh, whatever that de- her her deadliest deadliness. I like that. I can keep that title anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, keep all the titles that you want. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Olivia, I'm done with that one. It is an absolute treat having you here on the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is exciting for me, too. <laughs> uh, as folks will know, Olivia was very recently invited onto the Commander Advisory Group at Command Fest in Seattle. So it's a real treat having you. Uh, before we get to, you know, getting to know you a bit more, Olivia, before we get to our main topic, we do want to mention one recent thing that just happened this past Wednesday. Matt, take it away. Yeah, so this past Wednesday, Joey and I had the the dubious honor, I guess is a good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> Mr. John Dunning, who hosts the Supreme Verdict game show, Magic Debate themed, 
Uh, we went up there against Jake and Joel, our magic, happened to knock them off, kept our place <laughs> undefeated together. It was pretty great. It was pretty fun. Uh, John was super excited to have us on there, just returning the favor of us having him on. And man, it was it was a good time. Yeah, John does some amazing content with uh, the Supreme Verdict Debate Show and with other uh, interviews with folks in the magic content creating sphere, uh, including folks like Josh LeQuay and actually Olivia yourself, as I understand. You were also on one of John Dunning's show, uh, on one of his shows on the They Said We Said YouTube channel, too. Yeah, I feel it was like a year ago, I feel like. Yeah, he puts it was out, a while. It's been a while. <laughs> he puts out so much content. Like for all we know, that could have been 52 episodes ago, but it was last month. Like that's how much content yeah, right. I guess putting out. So it's really really admirable. It was a really fun time. You should definitely go check out the Supreme Verdict show with us on it if you want to see a really fun debate. But now let's get to getting to know our guest a little bit better. Olivia Listeners are going to know who you are, of course, because you're kind of a big deal. But still, for the sake of it, who are you and why are you so awesome? Oh, my goodness. I'm, I can't be a big deal. No, that's weird. Um, <laughs> my name's Olivia Goer Hicks. Hi. Uh, I am a magic cosplayer. I am a newly uh, minted member of the Commander Advisory Group. And I just sing the praises of our format anywhere and everywhere that I can because it is the best way to play magic period end of story yeah it's really really awesome cosplay stuff too folks will have seen you around in a bunch of really cool outfits uh we mentioned Tesa, Karlov and Atraxa uh and mm -hmm. Brea and stuff and I'm sure that there are plenty more but folks will definitely uh know who you are from that it's really cool stuff to see are there any other social com uh social media coordinates that folks are able to find you online as well um, yeah, so my last name, Gobert Hicks, uh, G-O-B-E-R-T-H-I-C-K-S, is my Twitter and my Instagram handle, I think. Uh, and then I stream uh, Live Commander on Tuesdays and Fridays at Affinity Artifacts on Twitch. So it's twitch.tv slash Affinity Artifacts. Sweet deal. Yeah. Yeah, so you already mentioned you're inducted into the Commander Advisory Group. Can you do me a favor and get Leovold unbanned? <laughs> Uh, can you do no, me a favor and nothing? recommend that none of that actually happen, please? <laughs> so far, I've only heard one thing that's supposed to not happen. Give me at least two things that you're telling me I can't let happen. <laughs> okay, that's that, that, that's probably a good idea. So I'm, I'm glad you, you obviously are more qualified than I am. So, um, but how was that? What was that process like? Well, you know, when they I'm, I'm guessing Sheldon approached you of some sort. Uh, what was that process like? And just being part of that announcement where everybody's suddenly just blown away by yeah. Yeah, knowing about that. Um, so it was, I think, when was it? Um, I had spoken with Sheldon like over Twitter, like here and there pretty infrequently um, after doing a couple of Commander and episodes. And then I met him in person at SCGCon in the summer. And we ended up striking up a conversation and just started talking about the format, all kinds of other stuff, and have just stayed in touch um, over time. And I want to say about a month and a half ago, Maybe he kind of floated the idea like, hey, we're maybe thinking about expanding. Would you would that ever be something you were interested in? Just like completely appropriate of nothing and also not promising anything like maybe we're going to do this total pie in the sky. Like, would you even be interested? Because maybe you're not. Um, so I said, yeah, I'd, you know, totally consider it. And then I didn't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, right before Command Fest Seattle, um, he and Scott Larrabee, Met up, with, met up with me and asked, okay, well, do you want on? Like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, let's do this. So I, it wasn't, um, I had a couple 
other members of the CAG like reach out to me because they'd never spoken with me or hadn't, you know, like we'd never interacted. So they just kind of wanted to like meet me and know what my thoughts were about Commander and have me, you know, just like explain what my brain space for the format is. And then, uh, yeah, I just kind of out of nowhere got the invite. So it was pretty amazing. And I obviously said yes. And then they just announced it the next morning. (laughs) Sounds a little bit like you were kind of blindsided by your own big (laughs) dealness. Like I I wasn't, you know, like, excuse me. I knew it was a possibility because it had gotten floated. But like at the same time, you know, he's not saying, well, it's a pool of like 60 people. You have no idea. They're maybe just like keeping names in consideration. Like they have a people watch list. Like, you know, I, I don't know. So it wasn't like the being offered so suddenly was kind of a blindside, but blindside's like a strong way to put it in that in that Mm. aspect. You know, it was like, oh, this was happening. Rad. Nice. Nice. (laughs) So you didn't even have time to process it. You found out the day before you got inducted. I found out the night before they like we met up for uh, (laughs) dinner at some restaurant with the other members of the rules committee, and it was okay. We're gonna announce tomorrow morning at nine. It's like, oh. Neat. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And I hope yeah. I hope that Sheldon won't mind. I don't think that this is a, a breach of his confidence in any way, but I did have the good fortune to play against him at the Command Fest in Seattle. I played a couple of games with him. Um, and the topic of the Commander Advisory Group uh, came up since it had just been announced that weekend that you were added onto it. And, right. and in sort of a contemplative moment, Sheldon mentioned that adding you to his circle was one of the best decisions he had ever made in life, not just in magic. Like he just was Aww. really impressed by uh, the fierceness of your personality and uh, how much verve you brought to the game as well. Um, so that was just a really wonderful and remarkable thing to hear from the guy who like made the format right before he then proceeded to smash my face with his Marchesa deck. Yeah, he does that with those decks. Um, <laughs> that's really kind. I hadn't, well, I mean, obviously I hadn't heard that, but that was really sweet. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Well, obviously the keg announcement was a pretty big deal. Um, probably slightly ahead of meeting Joey as like the second biggest wow. moment of the oh my goodness um, fest. But beyond <laughs> those things, like, w- what do you think of the command fest as a whole? Did you enjoy the experience of the, having that entire weekend devoted just to Commander? It was so nice not ever having to worry about being kicked out of a table, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's that is amazing. That part is that, amazing. That part was super great. Um, you know, for us those of us that were invited by um, Channel Firewall, you know, so we did the charity matches and everything. Of course, since we actually had like an email go out like ahead of time, like, hey, what kind of power level are we thinking with our decks? Like, is this gonna be a 30 minute streamed game or, you know, is this gonna like take some time? So it it's funny that I wish I actually could have played more Commander, but because those charity <laughs> matches we had were actually pretty long. <laughs> Um, we usually just like go grab food and then come back and then jam a bunch of games. Uh, I think the best part about it was just that everybody there was had, very much had the same expectation. Like we're here to have a good time. I didn't personally experience too much like power level discrepancy issues. Um, everybody was pretty clear like when they came into a game, hey, this is where we're at and we could kind of talk it out ahead of time. I did actually play a Brea mirror match. All four of us had Brea decks huh. and we played <laughs> against each other. It was amazing. <laughs> we all knew we were in for like the weirdest, possibly worst game we'd ever played. And it totally turned out super fun. And all of us had completely different metas that we were like reaching for and trying to play. So it actually was a very fun experience. But Command Fest as a whole, I I think it was a pretty awesome inaugural event. And I hope, want, expect more. 
um, from future ones because I really think we've got something special with our people and our format and we should um, capitalize on that and really you know, move forward with these, maybe make them not so much con-like, but we can have more panels. You know, we have a pretty diverse group of people that have specialized or are content creators for this that I think a lot of people would like to meet and like, you know, exchange thoughts with because we have so many different ways we can play in this one format. We have so many different um, things we can bring to the table as a community that I think it would be really great if we had more and got to expand like what we could do with them. Here, here. And in your response there, you've mentioned cons. You've just returned this week from SCG Con. How was that? It was great. Um, I had a wonderful time as always. Um, SCG treats us really well and makes sure we have a good time and lets us, you know, have a good time with everybody that's there and interact with them. The panels were good. Um, we had fun playing our uh, fan feud. We smoked the Commander Versus guys. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Cosplayers totally took them out. And then, yeah, it was just the, the the cons. This is my second SCG event. They're just really, really fun. Um, even though there is like a lot of, there's a lot of different formats happening. There's a lot of different kind of play. There's still a really good vibe at them. It's nice having the, you know, command zone that they have as well, their commander area. And uh, yeah, sat down and played a lot of games there too and met some new people and played games with, you know, decks I've never seen, which is always my favorite thing. So we always like to ask, what is your favorite deck to play? Ooh, yikes. I'm, I've, I mean, I want to say my Brea deck because it's my baby, but I've also played it a lot. So it's like less adventurous fun and more like, mm, I know what I can do with this situation. I think currently the one I'm having the most fun with, um, especially after some of the Eldraine cards, is my Tesa Karlov deck and then Yenit. Uh, yeah. Cryptic Sovereign is always amazing. There's nothing like just free casting, you know, Emrakul. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's just that so is good. I love your answer. Absolutely. I, I love Yannette. Heck yeah. <laughs> Although uh, you mentioned that you had like played Brea against Brea against Brea against Brea. Mm hmm. What happens if you play like Tesa against Tesa against Tesa against Tesa or Yannette versus Yannette versus Yannette versus Yannette? Like, did playing against four Breas... I don't know, but now I want to find out. Like, I'm just wondering, was playing against four Breas a piece of what made you maybe tire a little bit on that one and want to go find a different favorite? I'm just like, oh, man, is that what is that no, part of honestly, what exhausted No, honestly, I think it? that playing the, the four... The four Brea match actually made me like my deck even more. Awesome. <laughs> That's good to hear. I like it, that one actually playing that kind of rekindled it because like I was saying, all of us played such totally different style decks. I had this just kind of like, I'm going to win somehow. And I'm not sure what until I draw the second or third card. So I had like four possible win cons on the board, but none of them had fired. Right. There was another guy who had um, artifacts matter basically for ETBs. So he was leaning super heavy into red. I, on the other hand, I think I have two red cards in that Brea deck. <laughs> it's mostly Esper. <laughs> so I, just because we got to see a bunch of different things, I actually kind of rekindled my, my like, oh, yeah, I forgot how much fun this deck could be. Uh, but with with Taysa and Yannet, it's just, I, I they're still fairly new. I mean, Taysa's not new, new, but again, cycling other cards through and like, kind of still honing and refining that one makes it that much more fun for me to play. Awesome. So you also mentioned your cosplay, which is awesome and amazing to see. What is your favorite cosplay that you've done at any given event? 
I really do like Atraxa, but I honestly think my the taste is the favorite. Um, she's the most recognizable, and she's also one of the most comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I could actually go all day in events in that one and not really be, you know, in a situation where it's like, I'm too hot. I can't move. I can't sit there. Like, I have my full range of motion. <laughs> There's no pieces so I, to take off just to eat lunch. <laughs> I mean, I do just because like going out in public with like the full like gold foam collar is kind of, you know, weird sometimes. Other times I, I have gone out in it because I'm too lazy to take it off. But uh, yeah, for the most part, I can like swing that in pretty much any circumstance and, and make it work. So, <laughs> And it really is such a treat if folks haven't been to a uh, Magic Fest or a Command Fest or a GP or any of these types of events, seeing cosplayers there sporting some of the most sickening looks just ever uh, you know walking around there's a dude in a jingataxius headpiece but also who's wearing a suit getting to see oh yeah that's uh david vin camacho yeah he yeah. did our phyrexian uh yeah those... crater prom with us oh yeah the phyrexians at vegas seeing folks in all manner tappy toe claws and sprinkle and just the that's all 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 so inventive to to see these things that folks are able to come up with. It's a real, real big appeal for the events for me. Yeah, well, I, I think my first introduction to to you, Olivia was was online. Jason Alt retweeted some metal tokens you had made, which which were like ridiculous looking, and then shortly thereafter, you tweeted a picture of yourself in the in your Brea costume. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's that's not fair that she makes those tokens and does that cosplay. That doesn't seem acceptable <laughs> that one person's doing those things. Awesome stuff. So now let's get into the real meat of the show where we wanted to talk about player styles and personalities. And not just the uh, player psychographics that we've heard about in other uh, types of magic spheres. So for example, Mark Rosewater came up with the five player psychographics that help describe a player profile and the way that someone engages with the game Magic the Gathering. Um, and just as a quick reminder, let's do a brief run through of the psychographics that he came up with. First up is the Timmy or Tammy, who plays the game to feel or experience something. They typically are the ones who are slamming the huge 10-10s into play or attacking you for 1,000. Uh, there are also Johnny Jennies, the people who play the game to express something creative with their decks. The Spikes, who always play to win. And then also on a different, more aesthetic sort of uh, spectrum are the Melvins or the Mels, who enjoy the game's mechanical pieces, and the Vorthoses, who are all about that lore. And I want to ask real quick before we get onto some other personalities, specifically as they relate to Commander, do you guys know sort of where you might fit in within the psychographic sphere? Do you think that you might be a Timmy or a Tammy? Do you think you might be a Jenny, a Vorthos? What is the sphere in which you most enjoy magic? Well, I can start with myself here. I am absolutely a Johnny. Expressing myself through the deck I build is a very important thing for me it tends to be why i look towards commanders that are relatively underplayed and want to be the only person around me or in my shop playing that commander and if a commander's popular i'm rem not remotely interested in it um <laughs> so, so that's absolutely something um for me i think there's a tiny bit of spike in there because i want to win and I want to win with that deck that's playing an obscure commander in a way that you're not used to. So, like, beating someone with that obscure creative deck that I've built is also part of it. So there's a touch of spike there, but it's, like, maybe 
Spike with some showmanship attached. <laughs> I love it's it. like you want to prove something for your commander, right? Like it's not necessarily I, I mean, like spiky to win. It's like, yeah, absolutely. this weird guy totally crushed. Because like winning winning with the Maldrotha deck would be utterly unsatisfying to me, but winning with, you know, whatever bad Fantas, thing I'm playing yeah. is, is way more interesting for sure. Olivia, where do you think you fall? Um, I think I'm definitely I'm not spike, and while my decks are spiky. I don't have to win to have a good time. So that one feels kind of like not me. I'd say kind of a blend between Tammy and Mel. I like seeing weird stuff. I like seeing crazy board states and weird interactions and like having my brain challenged. And I play the game not to necessarily express something, but feel camaraderie with the people I'm playing with. Like I have a really tight bunch of play groups and I see it more as a social activity that lets us bond and be friends. And I'm going to serve you dinner on turn 16 when we're two hours in. Um, <laughs> that's my kind of game. So I'm 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 in it for a long time and a good time. Awesome. And that also sounds sort of the uh, the experience that Matt you are after. Um, just having seen some of the games that you've played with your Pathbreaker Ibises and your Veldok <laughs> amazing tokens. I don't even know if I need to ask whether you follow the Timmy spectrum. I think you just are that. Oh yeah, I well, I I have said this on the podcast a couple times. I I build like a Timmy, but I play like a Spike. I play the cards that I I draw. I just set myself up to have a good time through the cards. Yes, I I like to win. I I played competitively for a while and winning's always fun. It it's it to me it feels kind of silly to say that I don't enjoy winning cuz I obviously do, but it takes a special type of person to put in a Pathbreaker Ibex with a four-piece combo in a Selesnya deck. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I love being the, the Timmy player, doing these big, crazy things that I can't do in 60-card decks. I, I love it, yeah. The only reason Matt doesn't wear Hulk hands when he plays is because he can't grip the cards. <laughs> oh, I have tried. Don't you worry. I love it. I love it. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, I know those feelings. That's like playing cosplay or playing in cosplay when you have like gloves or like weird claws on your hands. And you're like, I'm going to make it work. Don't worry. About it. <laughs> you have and, two and strong hands all of a sudden. <laughs> Matt, it's funny that you mentioned uh, that you're a Timmy who plays like a Spike. I've sort of been told uh, that I am a Spike who thinks he's a Johnny. Oh, that's fair. I could see that. I buy that. Playing against your decks, especially your Marin deck, I, I can see that too. You think that you're doing your, oh, look how graveyardy I'm being, but really, like you have a survival of the fittest, and you're just recurring all these, you know, flashback marauder effects, and nobody's having fun but you. Yeah, what a wonderful way to express yourself, right? It's just, it's, t- it's totally normal, fair magic, guys. Don't worry about it. Well, so that's just it. Like, those are some psychographics that Mark Rosewater came up uh, with to discuss why people engage with this game. But we also wanted to talk about maybe some other type of personality or play styles that might apply to the uh, commander format instead. So I just sort of brainstormed a handful of different potential archetypes because I do see pretty frequently um, among especially my friend group there are certain players who no matter what deck you give them they're always going to play in a certain way no matter which commander they're playing and no matter which color they're playing they're always going to be the first person to attack and then force people uh, to answer the threats that they put on the board that kind of deal so it does seem like there's player personalities uh, there that might also apply to the multiplayer commander format too. So let's run through a few of those. The first one, the one that I was just sort of talking about, I've kind of nicknamed the aggressor. No matter what deck this player uses, they are the ones who set the tempo of the game and push it to end. They put a clock on that game. And if the game goes long, that player might be 
at a bit of a disadvantage because, you know, they're the aggressive one, but that might peter out, they might lose a little bit of steam later on, so they tend to force enemies to find an answer or die quickly. Can you guys think of commanders that might fit within the archetype of an aggressive or aggressor personality? I mean, I'll start off with my most aggressive deck. It's it's definitely Valduk. Man, <laughs> any mono-red commander, really. Perforos, God of the Forge... Yeah. It just Voltron decks in general. I mean, they they win through commander damage. They just like turning things sideways. And call me crazy, but that just sounds wonderful. <laughs> My husband's Edgar Markov deck drives me up the wall. He has a hojillion vampires out by turn four, and I just cannot deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely resonates the edgar markov in particular or the new tor brand uh i think yeah but he's sweet <laughs> he's really sweet he's, really he's super cool. sweet yeah the the the, the hebs do that the krinkos mm-hmm. do that yeah. they run straight ahead and if there's a wall in the way they leave a hole in the wall shaped like the player <laughs> Definitely the juggernaut personality. I'm not even sure that it's necessarily confined to red decks, though. I would argue that Yuriko the Tiger Shadow is also one of those aggressor types, because Yuriko is a huge ninja tribal stuff, but when it hits a player, all of your ninjas are going to make everyone lose a bunch of life by grabbing cards off the top of your library, and then forcing everyone else to lose life for the converted mana cost of those cards. Um, Or another buddy of mine has a Grismal deck, that's green and black. He gives a bunch of tokens to everyone with Grismal's ability, makes all the tokens die, and then Grismold's hitting someone for like 50. So he's really I've setting the tempo of, of the game right there. Uh, so there's definitely a lot of commanders that fit within that archetype, no matter among a bunch of colors. Also, Voltron decks, for example, could be another example of a, a real aggressor. Um, and I kind of want to also, for oh, each of these examples, maybe tie it into a commander from the most recent. Uh, the most recent commander product itself because the commander products i think are also shaped around these different player personalities so gear red conclave exile from commander 2019 the one who populates a whole bunch in the naya colors Mm -hmm. definitely suited for those aggressor type players hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I think definitely the um, the Rakdos deck leaned into that fairly heavily too between Anjay and... Um, Grevin. Uh, Grieven, Grevin, yeah, for sure. Yeah, even within a, a specific deck, you'll definitely get other yeah, types too in case sure. the head commander doesn't appeal to you. What yeah. are some, not just commanders necessarily, uh, but maybe some cards within the 99 that you think might fit for an aggressor play style? Triumph of the Hordes. Yeah, definitely <laughs> Triumph. I hate that card too. Don't get me wrong, I run it, but I still hate it. Some people just don't appreciate the finer things in life, Olivia, and... <laughs> Triumph I appreciate the all the finer things, and Triumph of the Hordes is decidedly not one of them. Did you just My tell the person who dressed... first act on the tag, I am going to advise. <laughs> oh, that... I have been lawyered. That, it's, that it stays legal, because it's not really that bad of a card. Matt, did you just tell the person who dresses as Tasa Karlov, an amazing <laughs> oligarch, that she doesn't appreciate the finer things? Yeah, really? Like, I, I mean, I'm a jeweler in real life. I wear gold in my cosplay. Come on, man. <laughs> Finer things are made. You, you have several <laughs> points, and I don't have any rebuttals. <laughs> Uh, other stuff, especially those green spells, uh, not just Triumph, but like the Overwhelming Stampede and Beastmaster Ascension and Crater Hoof. Oh, definitely. Hoof. 
Oh, yeah. Oof. Like hatred, I think, feels like that absolutely where you're just paying your life wildly to just strike out at somebody. I yeah. feel like Torment of Hailfire could go here, too, because it is a game ender. Oof, that thing is absolutely mean. It's so brutal, and yeah. I love it. Alrighty, let's move on to another potential player personality or play style. This one I'm calling the turtle. These are the folks who are extremely reactive. They don't necessarily make friends or enemies or even big moves until they've waited till the very right moment. They have a very defensive play style. They don't really attack unless that attack is going to be lethal. They're also likely the most political of the player archetypes. They are willing to make deals to avoid being targeted because they want to keep their plan protected. What are some turtley sort of commanders that jump to your guys' minds? For me, uh, it, I know it's not necessarily that the commander herself is turtley, but the Karametra Enchantress option, mm-hmm. any of the uh, big um, Selesnya Enchantress stuff, that just feels... Uh, mine is the biggest pillow fort deck in the world, where I sit there quietly, don't interact with me, I won't interact with you, and then every enchantment of the 60 I have on the board are now creatures and you're dead. Woof. There. <laughs> Fair. I think definitely definitely that new Pramicon fits into yeah. that mold. Oh, for absolutely. Sure. If we're looking for a 2019 example, I actually think Savin the Chronoclasm, I mean, it has on the card, I can't be dealt damage. Like, that's super yeah. turtley. Yeah, that is. I think for old old school stuff like Angus McKenzie, where it's for Turbo sure. Flaw, like, that's a deck that just leans heavily into, I'm just chilling back here and no one's going to hit me. That yeah. group hug, though. Yeah. Aloro yeah, in the same vein, too. You sit around and gain just. Yep oodles of life and then just yeah. not really care until turn 12 what happens <laughs> etherflux reservoir yeah exactly yeah yeah definitely just like it when the game goes long uh, yeah. and also probably commanders that have activated abilities like a thrasios or kenrith because you can hold up your mana and wait to respond to any situation those become very very appealing for a totally play style that way you don't have to commit to things early but you can hold back a little bit I was going to say Crufix is probably really good in that situation, too, just having mana available all the time. Oh, yes, Crufix. Oh, I miss Crufix sometimes. I used to have a Crufix deck. He was so delicious. He was so mean. So totally. Uh, and and also, just sort of like you mentioned cards within the 99, uh, Olivia, you mentioned the uh, Enchantress with the um, Ghostly Prison or Propaganda or Sphere of Safety effects, really big hallmarks of a turtle play style. Oh, Solitary Confinement is one of my favorites in that deck. I don't remember that card what is solitary, solitary confinement? confinement i think it's basically like you don't ex- it's basically teferi's protection as long as you're like discarding a card every turn i know the card yes it is um at the beginning of your upkeep sacrifice solitary confinement unless you discard a card from your hand skip your draw strip can't be the target of spells or abilities prevent all damage that will be dealt to you that sounds especially amazing in a deck like Queen Marchesa that is naturally drawing extra cards with the monarchy ability Woof. two and a white enchantment yeah it's sweet Every yeah. time I, I think of that card, I just think of somebody who sits down and says, no, I'm not playing that Derevi deck, but it always is <laughs> yeah. that Derevi deck. <laughs> Some other favorite cards of the turtle might include like uh, fog effects or fog bank effects, which also prevent damage, or even just wraths in general that clear the board of all threats. And I would also probably argue that Vidalcan Ori is a pretty turtley card because it allows you to respond to sort of wait and hold off uh, from doing anything until the last pop, uh, possible moment. Definitely ideal for a turtle archetype. But let's move on to the next one, which is my personal favorite because it involves commanders like Yannette Cryptic Sovereign. This one I'm calling the Cheaty Face. <laughs> 
So, to be clear, the Cheaty Face plays by the rules, but they love evading things like mana costs, and they love dodging the normal game restrictions that keep them down. Uh, The main gimmick here is just to make something outlandish happen faster than other people are able to respond to it, and with which they cannot catch up. So Yannette Cryptic Sovereign attacks, flip the top card of your library. If it has an odd CMC, you get to play it for free. Perfect for folks like a Cheaty Face. Absolutely. Again, like I said earlier when we were before the show, there's nothing like attacking with Yenna and then getting to free cast Emrakul. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> uh, what are some other cheaty face commanders that you guys can think of? I mean, it, anything that does reanimation or any of the like free cast stuff, whether we're looking at um, Narset is absolutely one, or, or Kalia cheats a whole ton of stuff into play, or uh, Jaleva does plenty of it. Yeah, I mean, she does. Anything that breaks rules. Yeah, I, I think of the uh, anything from Commander 2019, Kadena probably is the closest to this. Or Kirik is just busted in a half because you can <laughs> use your life as a resource. So I, I think that's probably the, the best example from a, a recent pre-con set. Because, man, what can Kirik not do besides deal with enchantments? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he's he's really good. He was so good that even me, uh, I would probably call myself. This is definitely the archetype that I like to fit within because it has like the plan, the animate deads, and the reanimates, and you're doing stuff for free. But Kirik was a bit too much for me. I did build a Kirik deck, and then I was just like, oh no, this is too much cheaty facing. You decided you did want to have friends at the end of a game. <sighs> yeah, I guess I still did. <laughs> at I least guess. one. <laughs> at least one friend. <laughs> Yeah, some other stuff beyond just uh, the animate deads of the world, the cheating costs that way. Uh, cards like Mizix's Mastery probably feel a little cheaty face because they let you play a bunch of spells for free. Or a really big green classic example, Tooth and Nail, just takes mm. two creatures from inside your deck and puts them right into play. Really, really crazy stuff that you can do when you start cheating costs around there. All right, moving on to our next one, we also have the Value Engineer. This is more of the uh, slow and steady wins the race type of person. They present pretty persistent or consistent threats, and they kind of bleed their enemies dry over time. This is different from the turtle because of a bit more of a proactive interactivity. A Value Engineer is probably more willing to make a medium-sized, non-lethal swing rather than just holding back defensively. What do you guys think are some uh, classic Value Engineer type of personality playstyles in Commander? I mean, Moldrotha is obviously just the king of that. No matter what you do in a Moldrotha deck, you're getting oodles of value. I think queen, yes. The the, the supreme ruler of all things value. Yeah. Uh, I think Tasa also kind of fits up in that slot. Every I haven't seen a Tasa Karlov deck that just doesn't go nuts with, oh, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to get this from it, and then I'm going to get this from this, and you're going to lose that from that, but, you know, too bad. Yep, pure value. Um, I think Feather's a really good one, too. Um, mm. Being able to just hand everything back to yourself at the end of your turn is pretty sweet. <laughs> Oh, it is such a good feel. It's so good. You can cast so many things for so cheap with Feather. Just do absolute, like, just wreak devastation. Then be like, oh, and all these spells, I'll just get them back in my hand. Pass turn. <laughs> yeah, and it does tend to be pretty consistent throughout the game rather than here's one explosive turn where suddenly everything's it's, devastated, but it is over the mm-hmm. course of several turns because she does give you back those spells at the end of each turn. So you get a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, and it all adds up a whole lot over the course of the game. Feather is just mad online the whole time. Uh, she's, yeah, she's beautiful. Dana, yeah, any examples great. come to mind for you? 
I mean, along the Magrotha lines, you know, Carador and Marin obviously do a very similar thing where it's just grinding out consistent value. I think you have things like Tassiger, same way, where you're just recurring stuff from your graveyard repeatedly for, for just value every single turn, and it just seems so hard to get ahead of it because they're just constantly getting something back. Yeah, or Atraxa, Praetor's Voice, that very persistent proliferate. She's got Vigilance, so she can attack while leaving her defenses up, so you get some intermittent interactivity there. Uh, or, for an example from Commander 2019, I think that the uh, Miss Angie Falcon Wrath probably fits within this because she is tapping, discarding, tapping, discording a whole lot, at least as she was originally intended to be built rather than the combo World Gorger version. Uh, she's tapping, discarding, getting you to draw a couple of extra cards here by getting the value out of Madness cards when she discards them. Probably some hallmark cards of a value engineer player would be things like Panharmonicon or Sun Titan, the stuff that gets you really good extra value. It doesn't explode and it's not too defensive, but it gives you a whole lot of value over a long game. So now that we've discussed those four potential sort of archetypes of players in Commander, which of these categories do you personally think that you fall into? Are you the one that's like making the threats at the table, or are you the one who prefers answering the threats? Do you like to wait until the perfect moment to strike? Do you like accruing value? Do you bust things out in crazy fashion? Olivia, let's start with you. Which of these categories do you think most suits your personality? I think I'm like cheaty engineer or value face. Um <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like I, I trust. I, I love my Yenna deck. I really, really love being able to find ways around things like training grounds with Scarab God and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Ugh, yum. But <laughs> yeah, that's the noise I like hearing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the part that I think what I really lean towards though is having a really synergistic deck. Like I appreciate something that might skirt some of the cheaty face edges of getting value so good that it feels like you're cheating but i am definitely not the aggressor that comes out swinging fast and i really don't like having a game where i don't interact i have my karametra deck but i use it really really sparingly um so i i lean more value engineer with a splash of cheaty face so i'm gonna say like yeah value face or cheaty engineer <laughs> I love it. I don't think there's any hiding it from me. Cheaty face is quite obviously the thing that I like doing. I dabble in some stuff like Feather here and there, but I try and find every possible way to turn whatever deck I'm playing into necromancy so that I can Ugh. cheat things into play. Or Stop I have a Yannette deck like, ah, I love the I love the cheaty face style so much. I love I love skirting the rules in the rules. It it feels so, so good. I so really good. wanted to be friends with you and then I first <laughs> like this. <laughs> I want my games to go longer than six minutes. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Matt, how about you? Well, I better keep my mouth shut after Olivia just said she wants games <laughs> to go long because I, I definitely am the aggressor. Uh, I, I don't like people just sitting around and turtling up because I'm like, I, I get bored. So let's, <laughs> let, let's, let's have several different games instead of one three-hour game. So I, I definitely am the aggressor. A couple of my decks, they can lean into that, that value engineer. Uh, my Takes a Karloff deck definitely did that but for a majority of my my decks yeah i like i like the combat step i like turning things sideways it's it's a good feeling it is a good feeling and dana how about you so i i was preparing my um 10 to 10 best cards of the year for for an article thing and i i noticed i had winged words on my list which is a you know draw two that costs one less if you control a flyer and I went back and looked at my 10 best cards of the year last year, and I had Notion Rain, and the year before I had Chart a Course. <laughs> so 
I think I'm like a subsection of the value engineer called the tax accountant. Where I'm just looking for these little tiny incremental advantages. And I mean, that's what I write about on the website too, like on EDHREC. So like very much that is what I'm looking to do is eke out these little tiny advantages around the edges and find these hyper efficient cards that are not splashy and draw no attention to myself because Muldrotha being a value engineer card is absolutely that, but then people are going to look at me and want to remove it. And I don't want that. I want to do these things that draw absolutely no attention while I'm accruing advantages at the same time. So absolutely. I'm the, uh, absolutely the, uh, the tax attorney <laughs> subsection of the value engineer. You're the tax division of the engineering. <laughs> right. Yeah. There we go. Right, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Well, and the thing that's really interesting is that it can be really difficult to transition between these archetypes. Like if you're a person who routinely plays like a turtle, but then you play a commander like the new Graven Predator Captain who's so, so aggressive, you might struggle to make that deck work. Or if you're used to accruing incremental value over the course of a long game, a cheaty face commander like Kirik might feel unfamiliar and be difficult to pilot when you're not used to the differing tempo there. So it's hard sometimes to readjust to strategies that you're not necessarily used to. The aggressor in particular is one that's very, very difficult for me to find my way into mentally because I'm just not used to it with my other typical strategies. Watching Josh play that Grevin deck um, in our second charity match at the uh, Seattle Command Fest, I was astonished. I could never ever in my mind like I couldn't wrap my head around playing like that around doing damage to myself on purpose <laughs> to try and swing bigger I was like well why would you swing in the first place your life total I just I, could, I couldn't even fathom it like it made no sense to me I never play the aggressor if you give me an aggressive deck I'm gonna slow play it like a value engineer every stinking time I'm going to look for it's like well what if I do it two turns from now <laughs> just it's not there well, I think Graven's actually a really interesting example because he reads like a commander <coughs> that could either, with the first attack, blow someone completely out of the game with commander damage by suddenly losing more life than they expected him to, and then he's dealing 21 lethal, or yeah. since he also draws cards when he attacks when you sacrifice a creature, someone who's maybe more used to a value uh, value engineer playstyle might be using his attacks for more incremental stuff over the course of the game, but that you know, either one of those could be his strength, but it's difficult to know when to lean into that strength if you're used to a different play style. Matt, Dana, are there any styles that you think are a bit more foreign to you? For example, Matt, I know that you like attacking a whole lot. Is playing defensively like a turtle really, really difficult to, to try and do? I, I, a little bit, yeah. My Niv-Mizzet deck is definitely a turtle deck, and so playing the control role of a game, I can do it, but I just don't like it. <laughs> I just just don't ask me to, to like oh, smile yeah. about it or, or enjoy myself, but I, I I can do it. It's just it's not like I don't know. Like I said, I, I enjoy turning things sideways. I, I like being proactive in a game, just being reactive. I mean, any game, any hobby, you, I can play a video game, I can play any RPG. I'm usually the person who's out there. I'm the the fighter or the the DPS role, just because I want to go out there and just do things. Sitting back, it just like I said, I get bored. I lose my attention too easily. <laughs> Well, I found I, I can play those roles, but I tend to wind up playing them 
in my own kind of tax accountant way. <laughs> my my recce deck is, is aggressive. It comes out strong. It casts a lot of creatures, but it's incurring value while I'm doing it. I'm running all legends, so I'm like drawing those value cards while I'm doing it. It's very synergistic. So I've turned that aggressive deck into doing the thing I already wanted to do. My Crash Fling deck is very cheaty face in a way. I'm, I'm putting a huge amount of counters on creatures and doing it in kind of cheaty ways. But I'm, I found the most effective way to then win is to fling those creatures afterwards, which puts counters on a crash wreck and then fling as well. So, like, I've turned that cheating deck also into a way that I'm accruing, you know, kind of that around-the-edges value as well. So that's what I do. I can play the other archetypes. I just wind up playing them in my same way. <laughs> yeah. It can be really, really difficult to try and lean into them, but it is a really great experience when you do get the opportunity to do it, to bring your own style to it, for sure, like you just mentioned, but also to try and you know maybe find a different style. If you tend to play aggressively, try being a turtle for a second. If you tend to look for value try cheating stuff out of the graveyard one of these days. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's pretty fun stuff. Uh, it's stop just with your propaganda really... right now, Joey. Oh. <laughs> Caught me. Caught me. Right. I think it... one of my favorite things to do is actually, um, if you're with the play group, especially if it's people you trust, um, rotate decks. Everybody just hands somebody else their deck. And yeah. just play something even that you're familiar with and see how differently you do it. Another great way to test to test your decks, to test like what your skill set is or how your play style kind of like unfolds, plain chase commander. Plain chase commander? <laughs> I like love yes. rolling the dice. Yes. Use the plain so chase cards and play that. a game of commander. It is absolutely bonkers because sometimes your deck is completely negated by the plane you're on. Other times you never want to leave. And it, <laughs> no matter how used to a deck you are playing with the new set of restrictions like that that may or may not change the next turn can absolutely like broaden your thinking on how you play on how you you know execute your turns on what kind of strategy you're going to use moving forward even if it's different from your normal one i think that it's a really easy low cost and everybody's on the same page kind of way to expand your horizons and your play styles you know oh, repertoire man. I, I oh, love man. that you said that. That is so good. It, it, and like, it's super funny. Have you ever noticed, too, that sometimes when you play plane chase, it's almost like there's a fifth player at the table? Because some people just have to change yes. the plane. They, they're like, yes. I will spend an entire turn's worth of resources just to not be here <laughs> anymore. We have a longstanding thing in most of my playgroups about ending up on the goat plane just because everybody loves it because you get free goats and you can't go wrong with free goats. You can either sacrifice them or you have blockers or maybe they're tokens now that you can pump, but like everybody loves free goats. So we always have, you know, goat land, goat land. We're just trying to get goat land. <laughs> oh man, Olivia, my entire family plays, my mom, my stepdad, my brothers, my younger brother is going to be so excited that you mentioned this because any time that we sit down to play, he is always proposing plane chase. Every Seriously. single time. Have you, have you, do you guys do it? Oh, yeah. No, we, okay, we played the French. Like, well, don't deny him. It's just the best. <laughs> I mostly just want a t shirt that says everyone loves free goats. Okay. I'm on That's it. That's my take. That's Let's my take away here. And I'll just, you know what? We can take, well, we can't take the art from it, but we can maybe find, you know, similar, adjacent, but not copyright yeah. infringement art and just put everybody wants free goats. And I go. will wear that to every command fest ever. <laughs> Everyone wants free goats. Come play plane chase with me. Uh, Tasa Karlov got a new shirt. What an interesting cosplay. All right. 
<laughs> yeah, do you want free goats? I'm going to sack them and make them treasure tokens. Let's get free goats. Hell yeah, that's amazing. See? Yeah, that's just it, though. Switching it up, finding a different play style, using plane chase cards, or switching to another sort of personality uh, type, different commanders that encourage other types of play. Really great way to broaden your horizons and expand your mind to play commander even, even better. Alrighty, folks, let's move now into our closing segment, and that is Challenge the Stats, really a place where we like to talk about some pet cards of ours. There are a lot of stats here on EDHREC, but we don't always agree with them. Sometimes we think a card is seeing either too much play or too little play. Olivia, as our guest of honor, would you like to begin challenging those stats? Yes, I would. So my card is in a whole 3% of decks, which is just unconscionable as far as I'm concerned. Um, It is my baby, my favorite, Hissymancer. It is Ophiomancer, the two and a black human shaman that gives you 1-1 death touch stakes on upkeep. That guy is so, so good, especially with the divine visitation enchantment. She's amazing. I know you get four, four hissy angels. It's the (laughs) best. You get one on every upkeep because once you get the angel, then there's no more snake and you get another snake and it turns into an angel. It's the greatest. Yeah, great thing to sacrifice those for value to Phyrexian Altars or for Skull Clamps. That one's really, really excellent. If you've got any token Incredibly stuff, versatile. So good. 3% like, even... of decks. 3%! First off, but everybody even... should run black because it's the best. Uh-huh. But everybody should also run Hissymancer. <laughs> <laughs> but even if you're not doing anything useful with those snakes other than having a chump blocker that shows up every single turn, like the worst case scenario for that card is fantastic. Yes, yeah. exactly. There is no downside anywhere. Yeah, such, such a great card. I love that pick. My pick is also going to be a three-mana black card, and that is the card Necromancy. I may have talked about this enchantment before, but I want to focus it inward on a specific commander for this particular challenge. So Necromancy is a pretty weird one that is very reminiscent of the enchantment Animate Dead. It's an enchantment that comes into play and can get a creature out of your graveyard, and then you attach that enchantment to it. If the enchantment dies, then the uh, enchanted creature will also go back to the graveyard. Necromancy has this other weird uh, clause on it that it can be cast at flash speed, but if it is cast at flash speed, then it will be sacrificed at the end of the turn. Here's the weird thing, though, that kind of distinguishes Necromancy from Animate Dead. Animate Dead is itself already an aura. It begins by enchanting a creature in a graveyard, and then it becomes an aura that enchants the creature once it's in play. Necromancy is actually just a regular enchantment. It doesn't start as an aura. It has an enter the battlefield trigger that makes it into an aura when you get a creature back into play. And this is irrelevant for commanders like Yarok the Desecrated, which doubles your enter the battlefield triggers. If you play Necromancy in a Yarok deck, you will actually get two Necromancy triggers and can take two creatures out of graveyards and enchant them with Necromancy. It is bug nutty, it is so good, and it is only in 8% of Yarok decks. Criminal Yarok players, play that Necromancy. Also with that, isn't it actually the Necromancy enchant only sticks on one of the creatures that comes out? In that case, you get to enter the battlefield abilities, which Yarok will also trigger. Like, it's just so darn good. Matt, what is your challenge? Well, since you guys are talking about black cards, I guess I will do the same. Yeah. So I have one. I actually, I, I'm, I've been really intri- intrigued by it, and I was really impressed by it recently, so I want to see what you guys think about it in aggressive black decks, anything that's playing black, with a lot of creatures on board. It is Minions Murmurs, or Minions's. Minions, Minions's. I believe it's, yeah, it's just Minions, okay. I would guess. Just Minions, okay. Thank you. Oh, that's gross. 
So two black black for a sorcery. You draw X cards and lose X life, or X is the number of creatures you control. It is currently only played in 137 decks total. Zero percent. Zero percent of any decks because there's so many out there, but 137 only. So this card transfer, translates really well to looking at like Champion of Dusk, for example, which is basically the exact same ability, only it only counts vampires you control. That's getting played in over 1,600 decks right now. So if you have anything with some life manipulation, say, uh, Krav and Regna, I think, would love Minion's Murmurs because you're making tokens with, with Regna. Krav is sacrificing to help trigger more. You just draw a bunch of cards. You're playing black. You don't care about how much life you have. That's just a resource to play. So if you yeah. are playing any sort of creature-based black deck, I think Minion's Murmurs deserves quite the spot. I mean, Taste of Karlov I want to try it out in, Slimefoot. Even some like Alila decks, I think, could really benefit from this Ooh. because... You're going so wide that you get to draw, even if you're spending four mana to draw five, six cards, that's a pretty good rate. It's totally worth it. It was an absolute monster when I had, yeah, when I yes. had Edgar. That was where yeah. it was because a lot of times when I was you know playing like the one drop version of that deck, by the time turn four or five would roll around, I would just be hellbent because you're just dropping one drops and you're out of cards mm -hmm. well then you cast minions murmurs and draw nine cards and you're just back in business yeah currently it's, it's such a good card the most played commanders that it's in is edgar markov with 39 decks it's actually showing up in in five ayara first of the lockwain nice. decks uh so high synergy there 2.75 percent of ayara decks are playing minions murmurs and then it drops down to ariel knight of wind grace that legendary knights matters from dominaria so it's it's such a good card. Only 137 decks. I I was kind of blown away when it was so few compared to Champion of Dusk, which is more narrow, but it's the exact same effect. Yeah, excellent card. I super love this pick. Dana, we got to know what your pick is. And is it also a black card? Listen, you guys are doing black stuff. Somebody has to keep that in check. <sighs> yeah, play another black card. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so so my my choice here is a card called Echoing Truth. Sometimes mm. you just need to make a whole bunch of things named the same thing all go away simultaneously. It's one in the blue for an instant. Return target non-land permanent and all other permanents with the same name as that permanent to their owner's hand. Boo. I, I was... <laughs> <laughs> The reason I started running it in my Talran deck was because I have a couple of friends that play token decks very heavily. And there was enough times I just couldn't deal with those 14 elves coming in or, or whatever it was. And I was trying to find a way in blue to not blow my own stuff up, you know, like Evacuation would do. There's Rift, but I was kind of out of options after that. Echoing Truth, being able to hit a token swarm is amazing for two mana. Yeah, that's really good. And since then, I've also, on more than one occasion, dealt with somebody's treasure tokens. No! Oh, why? Oh. <laughs> How very dare you? Oh. Oh, my God. I'm never coming back. That's disgusting. <laughs> why Listen, would you do that? They can still sacrifice them monster. for mana when I do oh it during God. their draw step. So that's still oh, no. an option to sacrifice them all. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> it's like the ultimate mana drain. That's yeah, the so, grossest you know. thing I've ever heard. I hate it. Olivia, Joey and I can start a new podcast without Dana, <laughs> then you can come on and you can hang out with us. Okay, cool. Let's do it, because that was 
<laughs> just, no. just trying to keep the world in balance here. It's no, only in it's about- not perfectly balanced. <laughs> I should have my treasure tokens, and Echoing Truth can go away forever. So I found my new band card that nobody knows about, obviously. So no one's gonna miss it but you. It's gonna join Leovold in the band list. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's gonna wonder why. It's like, well, it was a vendetta. <laughs> this one time, Dana threatened Olivia with getting rid of her treasures. Now it's banned. <laughs> Uh, How could you say something like that? Dana, I I do agree that (laughs) Echoing Truth is a good card. I've cast it a few times. I've probably cast it more in 60-card formats than I have in Commander, but you are right. It's it's very powerful. If you have some buddies that have any sort of like Krenko deck that just going wide or or prosh, whatever, yeah, I get it. Or any Selesnya decks, yeah. Mm. The Selesnya, we're just trying to live. Once upon a time, I actually wound up (laughs) Um, making a clone of a thing that had Shroud that was still clonable and then bouncing my own thing with Echoing Truth just to get rid of the thing I couldn't target. <laughs> Interesting. That's a lot so, of like, crazy there's, to play. There's a few tricks you can do with it as well. It's just a great card, and it should be in more than a 1,000 decks unless you're playing Olivia. How's that? <laughs> just you, just target it somewhere else, just not my treasure. Okay, all right. Not my yeah. treasure. Well, it hits anything with the same name, so you can target someone else's treasure, but then it will no! still... Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Olivia, was... I'll start a podcast and you can come on and hang out with me. So <laughs> yes, we'll forget Joy and Dana. <laughs> Treasure Lovers United. <laughs> Deal. Perfect. Don't bounce my tokens.com. That's our new website and everything. <laughs> this was phenomenal. Olivia, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show. And as a reminder, where can folks find you? What are your social media coordinates? My coordinates are at GobertHicks, G-O-B-E-R-T-H-I-C-K-S on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on twitch.tv slash affinity artifacts. Awesome. And would you be able to tell us about any potential upcoming cosplay that you're doing or events that you'll be at? Um, the three that are in process right now are Alayla. Who else was it? Ophiomancer. <laughs> Finally making <laughs> yeah. an Ophiomancer cosplay so I can be comfortable and have snakes. And uh, Saskia the Unyielding. Nice. Awesome. And then sort of just as as a fan of, of you as well, I also oh. want to ask, who are you planning on deadlifting next? Um, I just, <laughs> okay, so a lot of pictures didn't make it out, but I deadlifted, I think, like five new people at SCG Con Winter. So I got Allie Warfield. I think I got Jerry. I deadlifted Jerry again. Who else was it? I can't remember right now. I'm so tired. But still, I have five more. Um, I think like life goals would be to probably like, try to see if I can deadlift Adam just because he's seven feet tall. <laughs> it would be super <laughs> rad, but people are really hard to deadlift. It's not like barbells at all. It's very difficult. It is very, very impressive. I'd also like to thank my co-host for joining me, and if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with us, where can they find you all? Matt? Find me on the Twitters, at Mathemus55, M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And Dana. You can find me on the Twitter birds, at Dana Roach, and you can hear me on my other podcast, CMDR Central. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter. Special thanks to our editor for the show, Ken Peddle, also known as Kenish Norn. You can follow him on Twitter at Loader. That's L-O-A-D-3-R. You can follow EDH Rec and the cast on Facebook and Twitter, and you can contact us at EDHRecCast at gmail.com, and you can find us on iTunes. And if you do, please consider leaving us a review to help other folks find the podcast as well. Olivia, thank you once again for coming onto the show. It was a real pleasure having you. My absolute pleasure doing this. This was great, guys. Thanks for having me. 
And listeners, we would love to hear from you about what type of commander personality or archetype you fall into. Are you more of a value engineer? Are you a bit more on the turtley side? Are you the aggressor? Do you like cheating things into play? Or is there a commander personality that we didn't mention? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Alrighty, this podcast is posted every week on EDHREX Community Content Spotlight section where we feature as many other content creators as we can, from Command Zone to Commander's Brew to Commander Versus, not to mention new articles published every day by our own fantastic team of writers. We'll be back at you next week with more data and insights, but until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck. There was yeah. nobody there that wasn't like just people playing, it wasn't Nevity the cool like no cosplayers, no, none of that kind of stuff. But like for actual people just going to play commander, it was, it was nuts. It had yeah. you, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> Disappointing that was. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm the famous dude. 